Welcome to the FedHeads, a weekly podcast from GuideHouse. Join the FedHeads each week as Robert Shea and a celebrity guest host talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of FedHeads. This is the inaugural episode of 2023, and I'm proud to announce that FedHeads was rated among the best public sector podcasts by something called Feedspot. They were chosen from thousands of podcasts on the web and ranked by traffic, social media followers, domain authority, and freshness. So we've got a challenge to keep it up. I'm really proud to say I'm joined this month's auditioning co-host, Lauren DeYoung-Schulman, with the Partnership for Public Service, no stranger to FedHeads. She's the Vice President for Research, Evaluation, and Modernizing Government at one of my favorite organizations, the Partnership for Public Service. Lauren, thanks for coming back. I am so excited to be here, and I really hope I can help keep up the standard of freshness in yeah. the FedHeads podcast. That's, I don't uh, know what that is, but I, I know that FedHeads has it in spades. So uh, Many who work with me know what freshness means. I don't think they would fear losing it as a risk, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, get, see. We'll, we'll, we'll give it our shot. Thanks also for the courage to co-host with me. We're gonna, we've are gonna we got some interesting guest lines up, and I'm excited to have you by my side. I am mostly happy since uh, to be co-hosting, but also not having to produce at the same time. I have uh, had a couple of podcasts in the past, one of which we I had to run the audio for at the same time as also co-hosting. And that resulted in almost every podcast I did taking an additional 20 minutes at the beginning where we had to say like, okay, nope, nope, start over. Yeah. No, we got to record that again. Oh, sorry. So thank you, Amber, and everyone else on the team who makes this happen so that I don't have to touch anything, which would be a disaster. Shout out to our producer, Amber Lucas, who has the tiller strongly at hand. And a good reminder that it's uh, it's better to be the talent than, than, than the actual engineer. Mm-hmm. So tell us about you, Lauren. What's your story and what are you all about at the Partnership for Public Service? All right. How can I make this sound as awesome and superhero-like as possible? All right. So I started in government just after 9-11 at the FBI as a presidential management fellow, as one does. Quickly moved over to the Department of Defense. And in my career there, I spent about 10 years at the Department of Defense and the National Security Council while it was really awesome to be in the room making policy around Syria or Iraq or Afghanistan or other things and just surrounded by amazing people. I really loved the kind of back office functions and became the the skunk in the room saying like, well, that was really cool policy. Do we have the people to do that? Or that's an amazing idea. How are we going to get the funding? And what's the the organizational structure that's going to make that happen? So I was not necessarily well beloved in that community for asking questions like that, but I I came to love the the process and operations of government and did got really lucky to do some roles at the Department of Defense in the White House, uh, running the National Security Council process for Ambassador Rice, being a chief of staff in the policy office in DOD and working for Secretary Gates, running his uh, strategy and budget process. Those were incredible experiences, but as you might remember, Robert, they also meant I got no sleep for about 10 years or so, left government um, and have had some great opportunities opportunities afterwards, working first at the Center for New American Security, where I helped lead research there, now at the Partnership for Public Service. And the the story I told Max Steyer at the time, he's the CEO of the partnership, is that in all of the research I was doing, I just kept citing the partnership over and over and over again. Like they would be 90% of the citations of my work. And my editor would say, you can't do this. This is not credible. <laughs> so I finally got the chance to go work at the partnership and lead their research team. It's like, you know, if I'm just citing all of their work, I might as well go over 
and try to like see if I can influence it. Miraculously, they gave me a shot and I've just had the chance to nerd out in a huge way on government hiring, government process, technology, data, and all the things that I was super passionate about on the national security side. It's been, I have a fantastic team. It's been a wonderful experience and gotten me to see a whole different side of government that I was able to on the NATSEC side. Well, we've loved working with you on the products we've done together. I applaud the partnership for recruiting good talent. It stands to reason since it's core to its mission. Yeah. One of the cool things the partnership does is ask its team to cite favorite public servants. I know you cited William Perry and, mm-hmm. and fellow Texan Barbara Jordan. Mm-hmm. Tell me why you choose those two. William Perry, it, Bill Perry, former Secretary of Defense and many, many other things, is a national security nerd's dream. I mean, he was one of those leaders as secretary and otherwise where you came in to brief him and he was 10 times smarter than you on the issue no matter what it was, no matter if it was building a new rocket or running a new policy or anything else, but was so gentle and deferential to you in terms of engaging. Like he would make sure you got smarter by the end and didn't feel quite so small when he when you walked out of the room. Just an amazing intellect really did both the policy and the process to bring the Department of Defense into multiple new eras over his periods of leadership, whether he was a secretary or running research and engineering and so much else. He's also doing so much to talk about the consequences of nuclear weapons since he's left. And then Barbara Jordan, I mean, first of all, if people don't know what Barbara Jordan sounded like, just Google her voice. She has a voice that could persuade you of anything. And then in the oversight hearings that she worked on, it's been a while, I think, since uh, Congress was a place where you watched in order to see leadership in action. Like you saw people making amazing speeches and giving incredible testimony to what being an American or what being a public servant was. And she, in her role, and the multiple she had in Congress, did that. She used the the pulpit of her role in Congress in so many ways towards so many causes, but saw that the public element of it was as important as the private one in terms of getting a message across and helping Americans understand the import of what she was working on. So uh, those those were both, I guess, personal heroes, but also people that inspire me in very different ways all the time. Yeah. Growing up and following government and politics in Texas, she was a giant. It's notable that she's got this national following and had this historic impact. So let's get into it. We're entering 2023 with a new Congress. Hopefully it'll get seated soon. But before we do that, you and I were talking about some things that were accomplished before the end of the year. You know, we did get the National Defense Authorization Act and a $1.7 trillion budget enacted. Those are no small feats. So the new Congress starts with a clean slate. But tell me what else you think is noteworthy for our listeners. I love hate the end of the year where the NDAA gets out, the omnibus comes out, and with it, you've got thousands of pages of legislation to see like what actually made it in. And also, importantly, we'll talk about in later shows, what actually didn't get make it in and may come up in a later Congress. Down at the, the bottom of the booklet or the bottom of the printout that you may not have caught up on, um, or you or any of the listeners may not have caught up on if you're looking at the NDAA, were some really cool things for government nerds. One was the Plum Act, which is an acronym, and I can't remember what it stands for now, but it uh, references the Plum Book, but it's still an acronym. Plum Book, as folks may remember, is the directory of political positions and senior positions in government. And it's only produced in an election years. So unless people have put out a press release or unless they've gotten confirmed, there's no good way for you to know who is a political appointee across government if they are not in a Senate-confirmed role, except in this book that comes out every four years. So the Plum Act requires government to build an online, searchable, okay, very important, and yearly updated plum books. So people 
people or actually know who is representing them as an appointee, whether at an agency or the White House, the Office of Management and Budget. This is very important for government nerds like us, but it's also really important for my folks uh, at the Center for Presidential Transition who do some great work on that. And then a couple other fun nerdy things that happened. The hold on, relate- hold on just a second. Yeah. Before we move on, it's the periodically listing updates to Management Act of 2022. Oh, that's incredible. I mean, like that, those are just I, amazing things. We ought to, people do that. I, but I think we ought to grade them. And this is not the best. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that meets the test of, of a good word to fill that acronym. We might have a contest about that. I think that's a good idea. You know, that, that has a term. It's called a backronym. A backronym. A backronym. A, like when you know the word you're trying to do and you create an acronym that goes with it. I think nice. they probably have an entire office on the Hill that does only that. Certainly they've got to have one in the Pentagon. Yeah, but we should like grade it on one to 10, how well they did. Something you may not know is that the plum book is actually printed in plum colored. Yes. And it was the first non-green, yellow, or gray printing by the government printing office. We had to pressure them when I was a young staffer on the Senate Government Affairs Committee to actually print the document in plum. And and this is the kind of niche information you can get here on FedHeads. Which came first? If you're getting a plum position? Yes. Which is not spelled the same way. That's right. Uh, but there's, there's a B there. That's right. Plum, describing the position came first. We had to uh, really beg, borrow, and steal to get the government printing office to allow us printing it in plum. It's incredible, like the, the moments that really matter in government. <laughs> That's one right there. Okay, so I interrupted you. You were you were on a roll. Okay, well, I'll stick on the theme of like transition and political appointees real quick. And another cool thing that came out, folks may remember when we all learned the word ascertainment in 2020, like none of us had ever heard this word before. If you had, then you were, you were deep into the weeds. Ascertainment was when the General Services Administration comes out and says, we have ascertained that this individual has won the presidential election so they can start the transition process. There's lots of other things associated with like who wins the election, but who can start transitioning and meeting with federal officials, that's a big part of it. So the Presidential Transition Act was one of the million things that was part of the omnibus. And it does a couple of things. Um, None of them are huge, but one, an important one is like if, like last time, there's a long period of time that goes by where it is genuinely unclear which presidential candidate is actually the winning candidate, there's a reasonable doubt, then it spells out how the GSA administrator can start giving some initial transition resources to both candidates. So you're not substantially delayed in presidential transition. Folks may remember from um, the 2000 transition, one of the things that was found to have impacted the reaction to 9-11 was that the Bush administration was very slow to move in many of their political appointees because they didn't start off presidential transition until uh, very late in the year. 2000. So that's one. The other, it gives them, the GSA administrator, a little more guidance on how they can decide the certainty of the election outcome. And I think this was well intended, but there's a whole lot. There's a whole lot, obviously, that goes into that. But it was interesting to see Congress really take that up. So those are those are two kind of nerdy things that the, the partnership cares a lot about. Yeah, the contributions you've made to improving presidential transitions are significant. So let's talk about going forward. A lot of things agencies need to do, implementing the Inflation Reduction Act, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, uh, the $1.7 trillion budget. And I think that's a good thing because I don't foresee a lot Congress getting done between now and the end of the fiscal year. And that's evidenced by the trouble it's had seating a speaker and actually getting the U.S. House of Representatives up and running. Anything you're looking at going forward in this second half of the Biden administration, this new 118th Congress? So I think you things, to build on what you're talking about, that I'm looking at is implementation mode in so many things with uh, across 
agencies. I was just reading the other day about how much hiring needs to happen in a couple of agencies. So like the IRS has this big plus up. There's a ton of hiring it's got to do. The VA to uh, implement the the PACT Act. PACT Act, like how to say that one three times fast. A lot of hiring they need to do in the Veterans Benefits Administration, Veterans Health Administration. And a, f- a lot of places in terms of, uh, as you were talking about, the, the Inflation Reduction Act, the CHIPS Act. Like, it's not just the getting the money out the door. Like that's a key piece of it. You've got to have people who can actually figure out the grants, send the money out the door, oversee it, make sure that it's not being used in a wasteful way in any way. And that requires people. The government, as we have all talked about before, is not always the fastest at moving people in the door. But I'll be interested to see if they are actually able to take advantage of some of the authorities and some of the practice that they've had around surge hiring in the past few years to get people in quickly and get some of these policies implemented, you know, maybe this year as opposed to like five years in the future. Another thing, like on the other side of this, though, it'll be interesting to see, we talked about the new speaker coming in, how that plays out in terms of oversight, uh, particularly on the House side, I guess on the Senate side too, but particularly on the House side, there's been a lot of conversations around like the focus of oversight uh, in this new Congress. But no matter what it is, it's things that are ultimately involve agency staff having to be responsive to the Hill and not just responsive to the kind of work that they're doing on a day-to-day basis. So it's it's a matter of like balancing risk and time and people and how much time is that going to take for like Secretary Mayorkas to go spend on the Hill versus reform the, his major agency or respond to disasters or anything else like that. Yeah, your latter point is something I'm following closely and it will impact implementation if agencies get too distracted by requests that are extraneous from their day jobs. It's what it's it's their obligation to respond to legitimate oversight by Congress. It's Congress's responsibility to conduct good oversight. It, it'll be very important for them not to get distracted. Of course, GAO will put out a roadmap for oversight. The biennial high risk list should be coming out shortly. And it, it really points Congress in the direction of what are the biggest risks to accomplishing the government's missions. I don't expect a lot of change in that list, unfortunately, not a lot coming off. I guess it's good news not a lot going on, but that will certainly be a, a fun topic for a future Fed heads. One of the so related to that, just to give us like one more kind of fun tool on that toolkit is uh, also in the NDAA because this has so much to do with defense authorization was the Improving Government for Taxpayers Act. Love that name. Not a not a, a backronym, but it requires GAO to go through all of its recommendations that it put out over the year and send a list to Congress of all the ones that aren't implemented. So we'll have we have got the high risk list, which is great. We've got the list of unimplemented recommendations. We give lots of good fodder for folks like us to say, like, I see that this one major thing hasn't been reformed yet. How do we get this done? The the community could really marshal around asking Congress to focus on those things that could lead to some real lasting constructive. Miss, one of the things, I know you've talked about this before, so many of these high-risk list issues, like they're cross-governmental issues. There are things that an agency can do a little bit on, but they require if minimum learning from others, but maximum having like some cross organizational policy and resources to be able to help solve it. And I think that a lot of this is addressed kind of inherently in the president's management agenda, but could definitely deserve some more focus and focused attention with Congress to get things done there. Well, Lauren, thanks for being with us. Thanks for uh, agreeing to co-host the next several episodes. This has been great. A good launch to 2023 and look forward to talking to you again soon. Well, happy new year to you. And I hope we brought some freshness. Yeah, we'll see if our listeners can grade us on that too. Thanks for listening to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast brought to you by Guidehouse.